cutting edge guests, awesome uncensored jaw-dropping information, plus funny memes, good deeds, and loads of laughter. Kind of have it all. Ladies and gentlemen, if your soul's awake, then welcome, because you're in the right place. Hey, you divine lions and lionesses, you amazing sovereign souls. Look at this. Powerful, affordable X39 patches help regenerate your stem cells. These were developed for Navy SEALs. Burns up to 500 calories, acts like a wearable med bed on your body. So you get to wear your natural wellness daily. Order X39 now at catchthelifewave.com. There's Monday to Friday phone support, so you can go there. There's Zooms, and there's a 100% 90-day money-back guarantee at catchthelifewave.com. The X39, there is nothing else like it. Help activate stem cells, reverse aging, and rejuvenate your life at catchthelifewave.com. Well, Divine Lions and Lionesses, welcome back to the Sovereign Soul Show. As you know, we stand for love, levity, and liberty because love is the greatest power in the universe. As a Reiki master of nearly 10 years practicing 22 and a former Canadian Infantry Army soldier and forest fire, wildfire fighter, I can tell you that is the greatest power. But God also wants us to lean in. And as we have our mascot, the Bling Buddha, firing red pills from his nine mil, he wears a Punisher tattoo over his left breast, symbolizing save the children. Now, I've shared many times in our shows, and back on the show, you have this incredible man before you, many times on the shows that the number one crime against humanity is the genocide depopulation agenda, followed in lockstep the sex and child trafficking and human trafficking phenomenon. Not even a phenomenon. It's real. These are the two things that have been waged across us in the war. Now, Scott Char, welcome back to the program, my friend, because we had that amazing grace, our first show over the summer, and you were going in to take it to Ascension Health, which murdered your beautiful daughter, Grace, for you and your lovely wife. And thank you for coming back with the updates. And if you feel so inclined, perhaps we start this off in a prayer in her name and the name of the children everywhere. Well, thank you, Brad. Yeah, that's uh, Heavenly Father. Thank you for this opportunity to share truth with those who have ears to hear. And hopefully you will remove the scales from those who don't. And my best buddy, Grace, gave her life so that people could wake up. And her favorite scripture was 1 John 4, 8, which which is God is love. And you are love, God, and you are a good God. You're a good father. And I hope everyone listening turns to you and relies on you only because your son, Jesus Christ, did everything that was needed to reconcile with you, plus nothing. There's nothing we can do to do that. In your name, amen. Amen. And thank you, Scott. And why don't you just give us a quick little update for two minutes. It's Sunday, November 12th. We've just come off of Veterans Day in the United States, Remembrance Day everywhere else across the world. As to Grace's story, I've got the links that were posted right below the description for everybody who will be in the live chat. So you can go to that first show so we can pick up really quickly and get on with this message for part you bet. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's good. I, you know, a lot of times I forget that, Brad, because you know I just assume you know I'm ready, I'm ready to go. I've already had four cups of coffee, but we got to get people acclimated, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> like send it. They're like here we are. Now. We'll a little backup of where we've been to where we are now and where we're going. Yeah. So I, I'll go all the way back to September 22nd of 2002 because that's the day God chose to bless us with a little stinker with Down syndrome. And that was my best buddy, Grace. And she was an angel. We had her for 19 years. Her first day in heaven was October 13th of 2021. And the reason that was her first day in heaven is, as you mentioned, she was murdered. And she was murdered in a hospital. And they did that by uh, sedating Grace, which the sedation med that they use is called Presidex. That sedation med is not supposed to be used for more than 24 hours. Otherwise, it causes acute respiratory failure. In fact, before her last day, they already had her on it for four full days. What they did, uh, I was with Grace from the 6th until the 10th of October. I was taken out by an armed guard on the 10th. And at that point, they chose to uh, increase sedating grace in increasingly higher amounts uh, so they sedated her instead of taking care of her ultimately we were able to negotiate and get my daughter jessica in as a replacement advocate cindy my wife couldn't do it because she was really sick and by the time grace's last day came october 13th now she's been sedated for four days and in spite of that she was still she was still herself and her oxygen level the night before she died was at 98 and 99 percent and the doctor called us on the morning of the 13th and started a series of lies uh, told her told us we should get grace out of bed uh, and get her get working on nutrition, uh, wanted us to approve a ventilator, which we said no to because we knew a ventilator had a 90% kill rate. And you know the reason I say it was lies is because they had already strapped Grace down to the bed and made her defecate in the bed before he even got on the phone with us. And telling us that they want to get Grace out of bed and get her home while we're on the phone call with him, he ordered the increase in Presidex, the sedation med, to the maximum allowable dose. And once we said no to the ventilator for the fifth time, and I've overlaid the hospital records now with all the statistics, Grace was in fact worth more dead than alive. She was she became a casualty of this COVID psyop because the day Grace was taken home, the hospital's COVID wing was at maximum capacity, no beds available, zero. And there were people waiting in the emergency room. So once they realized the money train was going to stop because we didn't approve a ventilator, guess what? Now the doctor, simultaneous with hanging up the phone call, he put an illegal do not resuscitate order on Grace's chart. And then they combine Presidex with lorazepam and morphine, which is what you do to euthanize somebody in their last hour of hospice care. And that is, in fact, what killed Grace. And when it came time to resuscitate her, no doctor or nurse would even step foot in the room in spite of my, in spite of my daughter, Jessica, screaming to do so. Cindy and I on a FaceTime call doing the same. And they stood outside the room and simply hollered back, she's DNR. So we watched her die in a FaceTime call. I have become, you know, once I realized, I, I dug into the records, Brad, I realized after about uh, five months or so, six months, that she was murdered. 
And that took me a long time. You know, you come to grips with that. And I was not awake before this. And that started a process of becoming awake. And I started researching genocide, the Holocaust. And I, now I see this as a euthanasia agenda that started in modern day terms. It started at the beginning of the 1900s when the United States started, started to perfect the eugenics philosophy. And yeah. COVID just woke, you know, anybody that was not awake and they see COVID, they should wake up to the reality that it's not COVID. COVID simply exposed the evil. And that's what it did to me. And so now I've become a full-time researcher and advocate. And ultimately we filed the first of its kind lawsuit. I mean, unbelievably, God opened up that door. We told him when we jumped into the fight that any door that you open will walk through. And he opened up the lawsuit opportunity. So we're, we've submitted with the lawsuit to the Antichrist legal system, uh, but we're using it to expose evil and, you know, praise God where we are at today. So that's the brief background, and I'm going to dive into the lawsuit. But if, did I give enough of a background, Brad, with, with that for your listeners? You certainly did, and Scott as well. And thank you for that. And, you know, this is, for many people, since we were last together about four months ago, you know, we've had probably another eight or 9,000 people who have joined as this incredible audience of sovereign souls, waking up, waking up other people. As well, the majority of this audience, Scott, are warrior grandmothers from around the world, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, Commonwealth countries, obviously North America, Canada, my country, USA, yours, um, as well as veterans, veterans. So we have a lot of veterans. So that's basically the two large audiences here. And so for those who are coming on, I also want to just share a couple of quick updates and broaden this as then we're about to go, you know, from an inch wide to an inch deep in this case. So. Number one, what's also come out and everybody is now aware of, it's all out there, fact checkers can't hide it, owned by Reuters AP, the Operation Mockingbird Media. SARS-CoV-2 was created by the Centers for Disease and Prevention. Now it was kind of created by the NIH and they own the patent. So the CDC over a decade ago owns the patent with the US Patent and Trademark Office. Now understand this, you can't patent something that's natural. Therefore, if something is unnatural and created, then you can patent it. As both Scott and I have entrepreneurs, you can either patent intellectual property, an idea with the US Patent and Trademark Office in the United States and elsewhere around the world, or you can patent a product, right? Hey, we've got a new free energy ion energy, right? Prove it, and there you go. For example, or a weaponized virus, which is not natural. SARS-CoV-2, here we are. Also then, as people have been waking up in Canada in particular, 4.1% now of all deaths in Canada are through euthanasia. So Scott had mentioned, and anybody who goes back to, again, the link is down below, I'll put this in the chat for those on the broadcast. Anybody that goes back to the first show that Scott and I had, he had shown, and it's also on his website here, and I'll be in the chat too, that the euthanasia program was key in World War II Nazi Germany, which they brought in. So what do they bring in in Canada? They started in 2016. They made bestiality legal federally. They wrote it in. They also made medical assistance in death legal. And they started with seniors and it's like boiling the frog, right? Putting it in there and doing the slow boil. Then they start with seniors 76 and above. And then they brought it down to the mid sixties. And then they brought it down to where now at 16 years old in British Columbia, if you feel that you are depressed and you can walk into a hospital or medical clinic and ask for medical assistance in death, 
you can do so without written consent of any legal guardian, parent or otherwise, and you do not have to sign the written consent. And the doctor and the nurse can literally just say, well, we diagnosed them with PTSD and depression. And so we provided them medical assistance and death in an hour. And this is still in the same province where I'm a resident of sovereign resident, too funny, not really, where it's 162 days to get a kneecap replacement surgery. You get a 16 year old can walk in and just off themselves in an hour. And we've had many of those calls. Now they stopped reporting those just for anybody in Commonwealth countries like the Aussies in October of last year, 2022, 35,000 Canadians euthanized through this program. So anybody who is not aware of this is now aware it's all out there and that this is an incentivized death program because on the other side of this they harvest the organs and they sell it on the black market that's another part of it so scott's case is pivotal in the united states of america which is breaking open the medical malpractice of medical murder for profit by many hospitals, not saying all of them, but by many hospital systems in the United States of America, which is also pervasive in other countries around the world and has been hidden, including the seniors and the Midazolam massacre during lockdown and the pandemic. So Scott, we'll turn it back over to you. I feel that's all very important to bring people up to speed to this global problem and how you represent precedent of your case in America. And then as we move forward, maybe just share how often this happens in America and why it took so it was so hard to get your case heard and be successful now. Well, you said you said a mouthful. If I don't answer everything, bring me back in, Brad. Oh, I'll, yep. I'll start with uh, the reality of this euthanasia agenda. And the United States, interestingly, was first, which we tend to always be first. And I'll show a document later on when we go through the PowerPoint. Uh, that documents our first uh, entry into the legalized euthanasia with Obamacare. So we beat the Canadians made program by over a decade. And yeah, you know, but what we do as a country, we are the best country in the world at pointing our finger at everybody else, because when you project your sin on everybody else, it makes it seem like you're the the light on the hill, but uh, we're yes. not the light. We're not the light on the hill. And yes. I'll give you some statistics just to to enter into this discussion because you asked me to do that during COVID. And and I it, it is so critical that people don't see this as COVID related because that is the dialectic that's going on right now. And I, in my podcast, I've been going through the difference between esoteric and exoteric dialectics. So esoterically, what is happening here is there is a race to expose evil. Mm -hmm. And that's important because Satan wants the evil exposed. Why? Because he has a less evil side. It's called the angel of light. And as this evil gets exposed, you know, you can't give, you know, as people started realizing what really happened with COVID, which you did a great job explaining it. Uh, interestingly, you know, I had a quick sidebar, I had Karen Kingston on my podcast last week, and she's oh, one yeah. of the very first ones to uncover this over two years ago, but yeah. people weren't listening. It was, there's controlled opposition that delayed this information getting out to the public. But so what? It's out to the public. What what's happens is, is then we fall trapped to the dialectic. And I'll give you an, what that means. 
So in when we look at, we think that every four years, if we spend time in, in the election process, we can make a difference, right? So two years out of every four years, we just get sucked into this presidential election dialectic. And the reality is that that was all designed to simply take our attention away from the esoteric agenda. That's an exoteric dialectic. COVID is an exoteric dialectic. And when we get sucked into it and you think, I can't believe they did this to me. This is wrong. Somebody's got to hang. And okay, it's not going to happen. And you know, if it does, if the idea of military tribunals happen, it will be under the guise of Satan's less evil side, the angel of light side, because God says in Revelation 13, there's both an antichrist system and a false prophet system. Both are run by Satan. And you can spot the false prophet system because you see a lot of people, especially in the freedom movement, making promises, but they don't acknowledge how we got here. We got here by rejecting God. And consequently, they yeah. don't acknowledge that. And then there's no repentance. The only way out of this is through repentance. So that's my soapbox for the big picture. All right. So then, uh, as you drill down that picture to what statistically happened, the United States during the 39-month COVID era was number one on the planet with hospital murders, 1.2 million. Number two in all the 200 countries of the world was India. India's population is four times that of the United States, yet their death count was 531,000, less than 50%. Okay, so that tells you something happened. Well, what's happened is the similar path as in World War II. They sold this under the guise of the economics. You know, we've got to, in World War II, Hitler got to power because of reparations from World War I. Well, here it is expanded quite a bit because we have in the United States, one third of the population is on Medicare and Medicaid. And if you account for the costs of Medicare and Medicaid and the related Social Security payments, it's $3 trillion a year, which is 50% of the annual federal budget. And so those people are the first ones that need to go. Anybody on Medicare and Medicaid under this collectivism lie that they've sold us. And the collectivism lie was integrated into Obamacare by Ezekiel Emanuel, who said, if you are a non-contributing member of society, you don't deserve medical care. So that's how they pulled this off. All right. So COVID simply became the instrument to do it quickly. And, you know, they sold a big lie. They had to sell a big lie to get us to all buy into it. But as this lie is exposed, I'm hoping you can completely check out of what's going on. And you got to realize, I mean, we cannot rely on men to save us. All right. So then why is our case important? I'll give a little bit of background of our case. Uh, God opened up the door uh, for a legal team that I vetted and got to know and I was comfortable enough with to say, yeah, let's go. And so we jumped in uh, in September of uh, 2022 with the legal team. I had already done the research on the record, so I provided them all my documents. And then they had a, a paralegal go through the documents to prove that Grace was murdered. And, you know, that was critical because they have to believe in the case. This is a civil case, not a murder case, but they had to believe that what happened to Grace you know, she was euthanized. She was murdered. Hastening death is murder. All right. So they got on board with that. They started structuring the case. And then on April 11th, we filed the case. What happened after we filed is that generated a motion to dismiss, which the judge heard on July 14th. At that hearing, he set the first three-week jury trial in the whole country. Interesting timing. 
The first the jury selection is November 4th of 2024, the day before the presidential election. So if I don't know what God's will is here, but it seems interesting timing because I believe the presidential candidates are all going to have to deal with hospital murder. And we have a case that represents all the hospital murders in my daughter Grace's death. All right. So then at the July 14th hearing, Brad, the judge uh, told our legal team, I want you to file an amended complaint because the defense in that hearing had brought up the reality that lack of informed consent is not a battery. Okay. So this is, this is really critical because you asked me the question, um, tell people why there's, you know, this case is so unique. Why aren't there more cases filed? Well, this is why. What happens is this Antichrist system has walls around the doctors, and they how they get walls around the doctors is through statutes. So we have a constitution as, so in our state constitution, Grace had a natural right as a citizen. Okay, there was no need to have state statutes implement what they did. And what they did relative to informed consent is they put a statute in place that defines informed consent. It goes down, bam, 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 bam. Okay, so is that right or wrong? Well, the reason I say we didn't need that is informed consent was already defined with grace as a natural citizen. Why? Because God defined it treat your neighbor as yourself. So Brad, if you and I were a doctor, wouldn't you just want your patient to know everything about the care so they can make an intelligent decision? Mm-hmm. Right, it's the blinding flash of the obvious. All right, but what the statute does is delineate a number of things, which are logical. There's really nothing uh, technically wrong with what they delineated. But what they did is they made the implementation of the statute a subject to what's called a medical examining board. So there's no consequences to violating the statute. And the reason I say no consequences is the medical examining board is made up of 10 doctors and three lay people. So it would be like a police officer giving his buddy police officer a speeding ticket. You know, it's not going to happen, right? Okay, so that's that's a problem. But then what happened is there's medical malpractice statutes that put a wall around the doctor. And they do that through setting a statutory limit on what you can receive in a medical malpractice trial, which is $750,000. Right, so that might sound like a lot to somebody, but I'm going to drill it down for you. So you see, it's not a lot. So $750,000 limit. And then through, um, through precedent, they made lack of informed consent underneath medical malpractice. All right, so walk through, you know, if if anybody listening has ever been in a hospital, you know how it works. I mean, you, you basically get checked in and then you turn over everything to the doctor and you don't ask a lot of questions. What's the reason? You've been lied to that they've been taking the Hippocratic Oath. And the reason I say you've been lied to is because I, I was on a podcast, a doctor wrote me afterward in July, and he said, Scott, just so you know, we haven't taken the Hippocratic Oath in 30 years. So it's a lie. So, but we've been we've been trained to trust the white coat. So then, you know, we're just thinking they have our best interest in mind. So we just let you let it go. And sometimes they let us know what they're doing. Sometimes they don't, but we just kind of go along with it. All right. Well, that's that is that treatment plan that I just described is illegal because it violates the responsibility of the doctor to inform us. And then he's supposed to get our consent. So that's violating informed consent. That is a battery. But the statutes and the case law have made 
that battery go away and make it under medical malpractice. All right. So then, so I'm framing medical malpractice. Now they've got this umbrella around them and the statute further says the doctor has to get insurance to insure any lawsuit against him. All right. So you see the bubble that they have around them. Well then, so still, let's talk about the money side. I talked early on when I thought we'd never file a case, I talked with the best medical malpractice attorney in Wisconsin. And he said, Scott, even in slam dunk cases like this appears to be, you only have a one in 10 chance of winning. I said, I don't get that. Tell me, what do you, what do you mean by that? He said, well, I'll explain with a case that I had. I represented a family where the husband lost his life. He had a sponge sewed up inside of him as a result of the surgery and we lost. I said, how is that possible? He said, I brought in 10 experts and they brought in a hundred. So they circle the wagons around their own. We're going up against Ascension Hospital System. They're the second largest nonprofit in the United States. Uh, the first largest Catholic hospital system. They have 30 billion in cash. So you can see we can't outspend them, right? We've got to outgod them. That's how we're going to win. And so now we get to a one in 10 chance of winning. Just to give people a perspective, a simple malpractice case is about 250,000 in legal fees. Uh, attorney by statute can only take one third. So 750,000 times a one in 10 chance of winning is 75,000 times one third is 25,000. What law firm is gonna spend 250,000 to get 25,000 back? So that's why these cases aren't being taken on. That's the reality. Our case is going to be in the, six to 700,000 in legal fees and expert fees to get through the trial. That's, you know, it's a big thing. Just the trial itself will be 150,000. That's, that gives people a perspective as to these, this, these cases. That's why there's so few. All right. So now our case, what happened after the July 28th uh, amended complaint was filed that set in motion a firestorm. <laughs> so then we had two more motions to dismiss those motions to dismiss were heard on October 30th. And this was the biggest day. This We've celebrated two days since Grace's murder. One was July 14th when the jury trial was set. And then October 30th when the judge said our medical battery claim needs to be heard. And I'm going to quote. I'm going to read from my screen here, Brad. You don't have this. This is what he said during the during the motion he said the case should be heard to determine whether wrongful discrimination intent is behind grace's death that was the judge's words this is a big deal so what we did in our in our um brief in opposition so what happens is we we filed the complaint motions to dismiss filed in august we filed our brief in opposition in october and then we laid out our medical battery claim as a separate claim and it's so important because we get to, for the first time, get to have the doctor's intent exposed to the world. And I'm going to read from that complaint, Brad. I know you have it. So if you want to bring up, um, we'll go to, we'll start with page six of 21. All right. Stand so on. just scroll down. You'll see I'm, I, the, the stamps on the top, Brad, is what I'm referring to. Right at the bottom of six of 21. And I'm I'm reading from this, but I all right there. Yep, let's go back just a little bit. There's Perfect. Right. Yeah. So the yeah. bottom of page six, top of page seven. Now I've got this entire document is on Grace's website, ouramazinggrace.net. The reason is is because people should already be using it. 
this argument that we laid out should already be embedded in every single um, hospital murder case so that the battery gets separated out. So what they did first- And this is they, worldwide. I want to share this with everybody too, if you don't mind, Scott. Just absolutely. for a second. This is British Accreditation Registry System, which all of the Commonwealth countries, which the USA Corporation is part of a Commonwealth country as of 1871, all of those that fall under the BAR, which is headquartered in the city of London, then this is a precedent which can be leveraged in any case around the world of any legal society, not that follows the BAR, the British Accreditation Registry Service. So this is why Scott is pointing out that this can be leveraged and it's on the website amazinggrace.net for you to download, take to your legal counsel and leverage anywhere around the world now because this is literally one of those bullets in the gun, proverbial gun, so to speak, of taking down a system which is sucking your soul, time, energy, money, and lives of your loved ones. All right, thank you, Scott. Very, very well said. And I'll just put an exclamation point on that. What this, what this brief does is it pierces the medical malpractice veil. So then what that means is the doctors no longer have statutory protection under medical malpractice, and they no longer have uh, medical malpractice insurance protection. So now they've got to pay their own legal fees to defend a battery. And yeah. then what that does is it takes in, in every state, there is a statute of limitations for mm -hmm. medical malpractice, and it's generally one to three years. And because this is a battery, the statute of limitations generally increases from one to three years to four to six years. So now you have more time to file a case. So that's yeah. another way that the Antichrist system was involved to protect these doctors is make it so that you can't file a case beyond the statute of limitations. And then last but not least, a battery claim opens up punitive damages, Brad. So this $750,000 cap is no longer there. And there's no cap. So that right. means attorneys would be more willing to take on a case on a percentage basis versus having you pay your own fees. Yep. So that's how big this is. So what they did it, here it first. Is, and Scott, I, I know we're going to, I'd like to re-emphasize what we've just covered because we can, because the, the enthusiasms here, I just want to once again bring to bear, especially in Canada with Leighton Gray, who is on here, who've launched the first COVID class actions for those who have been vaccine injured or deaths in Canada class action, and then also the non-jab, those of us who did not take the jab and who were forced off work for constitutional freedoms, and that is also a cause of harm. And then also what has happened in the hospitals, not just in Canada, but worldwide. This, what you've just heard, is precedent, and then Scott's about to go through it right now, globally. So this is, doesn't matter. We have a lot of audience in the UK, in Ireland, Scott, to Australia, and New Zealand. And if you don't have attorneys, now you can leverage this with those that may take on malpractice injury cases and personal injury cases for, on fee-based, right? And there are all of those law firms in every country. And this is setting precedent that if they have an eye on the prize for greater monies to be made, Scott's case with Grace and Amazing Grace and his family now 
blows the doors off any limitations which may exist around the world. So this is absolutely cataclysmic and catastrophic to an antichrist medical system. And this is why heroes with information who are staying the course are sharing this. And this is thanks to Scott and the work of his loving wife and family behind him. And now this legal team on board and this judge who wants to hear it. So Scott, I just need to really hone in for people, you know, as easy as a fifth grader, use us around the world, go after them. And that's it. They're all on notice worldwide now. Thanks to this man in front of you, Scott. All right, I'm going to go back here, Scott. And, and I want to share, Brad, you did a fantastic job of, of putting an excl exclamation point on this. I, I want to share for the record that a couple of things. One is, you know, we're, why did we file? We didn't file for money. In fact, we've just said many, many times on many shows that if there are damages awarded to us, that's not, we're going to plow it all back into whatever is the highest priority at that time, because we're not going to profit from this lawsuit period. Right. Uh, but so why do we file? We filed to stop the behavior. And, you know, what happens when you get a lawsuit like this and it and it goes where this one has gone is you get a chance to shed light on evil. And yeah. by shedding light on evil, it stops the behavior. And if you um, actually let's just go back to page one very quickly, Brad, because I want to share why it's important to file this way. Uh, so if you go wait, just scroll all the way back to the top. Then we'll start reading. All right. Yeah. So you'll let the reason I say this is you can take a look at the defendants. So you see, we have Ascension Health, of course, but then we have the five doctors and two nurses who are directly involved with Grace's death. What's the reason we did that? It's it's a lot more expensive to file this way, but we did it this way because individuals have to be held to account for their choice. They can't use the excuse of following protocols. And, you know, if a hospital system has to write a check for a billion dollars, it doesn't hurt them. They save a billion a year just in income taxes by being a nonprofit. But if an individual loses his or her license and has to subject themselves to a consequence for choice, now we have a chance to stop the behavior, which was the goal of the lawsuit. All right, so now let's go through the three points I want to read out of the, the brief in opposition here. So the, page is, seven now, or yeah, page the six bottom seven. of page six, top of page seven. Watch that. All right, let me get you there for you. Highlight All right, the so what they did here, this is so good. The legal team laid out the responsibility of the judge to follow the rule of law. And that is that, of course, we see with COVID, the rule of law. That's why I, I don't like COVID as a dialectic that we get spun right. out into because people are still in the old paradigm. There's always been a difference between liberals and conservatives, but everybody operated within the rule of law. But now COVID showed the rule of law does not apply anymore. They, nobody cares about that if you are of the satanic mindset. And what yeah. the legal team did here first is said, judge, you've got to follow the rule of law. And this is what it is. In analyzing the motions, the court should accept all allegations in plaintiff's amended complaint as true. That means everything that we wrote, the judge has to accept as true when he evaluates motions to dismiss. The complaint is only insufficient if it appears to be a certainty no relief can be granted under any set of facts which plaintiff could prove. And so this does not, because the judge 
agreed with us doesn't mean meaning agree with our brief doesn't mean he agrees with us you know he's he's simply agreeing that i as a judge i'm supposed to follow the rule of law so that's what this does this is a very important piece of any um lawsuit that people write lay it on the line with what the judge's responsibility was is because if he doesn't follow the rule of law either he's been bought has an agenda or has a gun to his head so right. this judge said okay i'm going to follow the rule of law all right so now let's scroll down to page 12 of nope i'm wrong 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 wrong, wrong. page uh eight of 21 okay. yep yeah. keep going to the bottom all right so what they did here is the, and this is critical because remember what I told you, Brad, is informed consent is no longer treated as a battery. All right. So we had to come up with a common law battery claim. So yeah. what the what they did here was to differentiate between informed consent as a battery and a common law battery. And with this paragraph, it does it. It is brilliant. Imagine a physician who fails to fully inform a patient about the risks of a leg amputation, but the patient does agree to have his leg amputated. This violates the duty to obtain informed consent. So the or the doctor doesn't tell you the whole truth, okay? But he's engaged with you, so so he but he doesn't tell you the whole truth, which that's the typical hospital setting, right? Where the doctor doesn't tell you everything, he just kind of uh, we bow down to him. All right, so that's lack of informed consent. Now imagine a physician who amputates a patient's leg without obtaining consent or even telling the patient or the patient's family what he's doing. So you walk into the hospital for a knee replacement and you end up having a leg amputation, okay? Right. So now you have no knowledge. And in this case, removing the patient's power of attorney and parent, that's me from the hospital first, that is a battery. So they're differentiating between not telling the whole truth and not telling anything, yeah. which is what happened with Grace, which is what is the common theme in a hospital setting. They just do. And then sometimes they tell you what they did after the fact, but that's pretty rare. So that's that's the key um, paragraph that has to be copied and pasted into all these cases. All right. So then I want to share how we went on the offensive and let's go down to 12 of 21, Brad. All right. One more. Here we are, Scott. All right. So they we went on the offensive and really laid this out. And I, I, I really like what they did here. Defendants want this court to rule that a patient with Down syndrome can be intentionally restrained, intentionally deprived of advocacy, and intentionally administered deadly sedatives, all without consent. And these actions are simple medical negligence. So assuming battery under medical malpractice in such a way would make hospitals walled gardens where any intentional misconduct would be treated as simple negligence. Indeed, defendants envision a world where there is no common law claim for the failure of a healthcare provider to obtain consent that falls out of the medical malpractice statute. In this world, an unethical or financially motivated physician, which you know we saw the financial motivations on steroids during COVID, may administer deadly drugs without consent for malign purposes, including making room for new patients. Remember what I told you? The hospital was full. Grace yeah. was worth more dead than alive. The physician's liability would be limited under the medical malpractice statute, and even that liability would be subject to insurance co coverage. So here we went on the offense of saying, 
we cannot have the medical malpractice statute be the guide for anything that happens in these walls of a hospital. There has to be another law, and it's called the common law. We have a natural right to be um, know what is going on with our healthcare. So that's those were the elements that I wanted to share relative to the case, Brad. And it's what you're doing is you're reflecting back to them sovereignty, the inalienable rights, the unalienable rights granted to us by God made in his image and saying, by the way, this is the real law and we're using it in your BAR court system and everybody's on notice as a result of it. Exactly so, right. So beautifully done. Yeah, so I, I really liked the language. Yeah, I was I it was it was actually fun working with the legal team. Uh, you know, they respect me as a participant. I'm like, there's four attorneys and I'm the fifth. Um, I'm not an attorney, of course, but I'm the fifth leg of the stool. And, you know, they respect that. They they have said, Scott, you know, your knowledge of the case is better than anybody. And, you know, they they have a respect for that. What's funny, just a quick sidebar. I like to weave a little humor in when I can. But uh, in, in when we were preparing this brief in opposition, there's some words, you know, that are legal words that I don't understand. So I've got two of the attorneys on the phone and we're going through it. And there was a word I didn't understand. And so, you know, they're ringing the clock at 600 bucks an hour while I'm talking to them. So I asked them to explain this one word. I said, speed it up, guys, because I'm paying you $600 an hour for a vocabulary lesson. So it's good, it's good stuff. Yeah, no kidding, right? Exactly. And I want to show the press release. Why don't we take everybody to the oh, press yeah. release right now, Scott, and uh, and describe what, what everybody's seeing here about this press release, which was issued on November 1st, so 11 days ago, because right now it's Sunday the 12th. Yeah, so the, the court hearing was on October 30th. And what's strange is these press releases, you know, this, I have never shared this yet. So you're the first one. So a wire, a press wire like EIN, there's multiple services available. We happen to use EIN. You know, this, <clears throat> we just wrote the truth, but they made us modify this, this wire so it was more palatable to their audience. They thought it was too opinionated. So it's a lot. It took us an extra day to get this posted because wow. we had to wordsmith to, you know, they're they're um they're doing what YouTube is doing, right? They're censoring. And so it's still the truth, but it was just uh, boiled down a bit. So what it does at the bottom is it flips to Grace's sign-up page, which you just went to is gracesherrod.com because that's what we're trying to do. And I'll just go go right to the bottom because this is maybe the most important because I, I closed the press release with what Grace would have said, uh, which is, Dad, God did it. So yeah. yeah, right there, Grace would say, <laughs> and God sure did. I mean, it was quite a miracle. So we had a packed courthouse, which was pretty neat. Uh, and and so the press release really lays out in a, a high level what I just went through in detail. And it, it was neat to get a national press release on this. And this, by the way, that that video is on GraceShare.com. That is our uh, press conference when we announced the lawsuit on March 30th. Yeah. Uh, that's the press conference. So that was a cold day. It was 18 degrees out that morning. Yeah, and we did. We did an outside press conference right across from the hospital. <laughs> oh, good for you guys. I grew up on the other side of you on that same lake, you know. So it was, you know, Wasaga Beach and Collingwood, Ontario, for me. So we had the same weather and the same uh, type of municipality laid out in the same Masonic symbols too, symbology of that town. No coincidences there, unfortunately. 
So here we are now with Grace, and I want to take everybody back because, again, the links are below here. Now, as you also heard from Scott, they're paying $600 an hour. So this is also being financed through donations. So, again, in the chat and below the description with all of these links, you know, if you can, please donate. You can also give prayers and write messages on there at the same point in time. Share it with people you know because there are people that are in a financial position who could donate to help and, and support Scott in this battle. One other thing here, which is really important, Scott, you shared a lot on the previous show. One of those keys was about Grace and what she said to you and your wife about being her earthly parents. Would you mind sharing that story and some of Grace's humor so the audience can get to know her here if this is the first time they're seeing you, they weren't with us four months ago? So Grace was, uh, she was unique in a lot of different ways, Brad. Uh, so I'll, I'll give the most important way she was unique was she, she really embodied what love is. You know, we have, as humans, we think, first of all, um, you know, when we fall in love with somebody when we're young, you know, it's an emotion. And then we come to grips with, okay, love is a choice. Uh, but then love, it's neither one of those. God's love is different than an emotional love and a logical love. It's a real love. And Grace got that. I mean, it was it was something special. And I'll tell you a quick story. And then I'll go through what she called my wife and I. So way back, um, all right. Then I'll then I'll weave that into her humor too. But anyway, way back when she was probably six or seven, uh, my wife's name was Cindy. We got into an argument, and Grace said, "Well, aren't you supposed to apologize?" And so think about this as a Down syndrome person, seven years old. I said, Grace, you're right. We are supposed to apologize. So I, I apologized and then Cindy apologized. And then, but that wasn't enough for Grace. And this is the key because, you know, God doesn't look at the action. He looks at the heart. Okay. Yeah. So Grace, oh, wow. Grace saw through the apology and she said, aren't you supposed to kiss? And... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I said, Grace, you are right. And of course, one of us was ready to kiss and one wasn't. And you can guess which one. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So that, I'll just share this because uh, oh, my wife and I have a speaking engagement coming up this next week. And I'm going to share. She doesn't know I'm going to share it, but I'll share it with you now. Right, cool, so cool. this happened. Oh, So our anniversary, our 37th anniversary is coming up November 15th. Yeah. Uh, so three days from now. And and anyway, so we were we have an orchard and we press apples to make apple cider. And we're out. We're on November 15th. I don't know. This is maybe six years ago. I don't remember what how many yeah. years ago now. But I said to Grace, we're all pressing apples. I said, Grace, did you know that it's mom and dad's anniversary today? Yeah. And she quips back. Happy misery. <laughs> I love it. Isn't that awesome? Anyway, yeah. she called she called Cindy and I earthly dad and earthly mom. It's hard to grasp that you know she she knew uh, her heavenly father like nobody that uh, that I I can that I can imagine. Then I'll share one other quick story about Grace because we're heading into the Wisconsin deer season. Next weekend is opening weekend of gun season. It's bow season right now. And Grace, Grace, uh, never short of lines of humor. And she's, she was my hunting buddy. 
So Grace was extremely accurate shooting. Yet one of the times we were sitting in the deer stand, you know, waiting, you know, it's boring. And yeah. she 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 was playing on the iPad and then she she's processing. She said, Dad, I have a joke for you. I said, well, what's your joke? And she said, where do bees go to the bathroom? I said, I don't know. Where do they go to the bathroom? And so think she made this up. She says wow. the BP station. That's yeah, so then, isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah. So then this is how sharp she is. So then she says, where do turtles go to the bathroom? You know, and I'm kind of in a daze yet from the BP station. So she yeah. says the shell station. So now I'm now I'm now I'm getting what she's talking about. So then I get her. So then I said, "Well, okay, Grace, I got one for you. Where do where do rabbits go to the bathroom?" So this is all in sequence, and she got it instantly. And so, where do you think rabbits go to the bathroom? Any idea? Uh, No, I don't. I'm like now I'm stumbling. Yeah, now you're stuffed exactly. I hop. Oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) Isn't that good? I'm going to take the Canadian check on that one. We don't have IHOPs. You don't have IHOPs. I've lived in the States for roughly 20 years. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Well done. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And she also loved Elvis. I do want to share this with, you know, Grace, so everybody gets to know again. Website and the links are here, but she was a big Elvis fan. So, yeah. Well, that makes me want to tell another story. Yeah, those are great. Yeah. So Grace saw Elvis everywhere. If you scroll to the top there, Brad, I want to show you something because you'd probably wonder what is this? So the picture, so scroll down just a little bit. All right, so that picture in the road. So this is this is road. about four miles south of where we live. Can you see toward where the road makes the curve? You see Elvis's hair and then his nose and mouth? Well, now I can, you can see. Yep. Wow, she's just kind of seeing Elvis all she's around. The Elvis there in the road, right? We're driving. She said, Elvis look, there's Elvis. <laughs> That's wild. That's wild. <laughs> so Grace yeah. wrote a letter, Brad, to Priscilla Presley, Elvis's wife. Really? Wow. Care of Graceland. And Priscilla invited us to Graceland to meet. And if you look, there's a spot. Uh, let's go. Now that you got the website, go back to the top. All right, yeah. so let's go to About Grace. Let's see. Grace met Priscilla yep. yep, there you go. Grace met Priscilla. Oh, there, there they are. Wild. Wild. That's amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, Beautiful. so she... You a video here, too. Yeah, there's a video. You can play it. It's only 50 seconds That's long. Fun. You painted her nails, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. This guy. You're doing the hands and the turn. No, it's like uh, oh, wow. oh, spot. <laughs> oh, look at them. I like that they're matching. Great, <laughs> right, right on. And everything here is on um, on grace. Amazing grace. Net. 
Our, it's ouramazinggrace.net, yes. Uh, ouramazinggrace.net, excuse me, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh. So from here, Scott, now you've got November 4th, 2024, just shy of a year for a jury selection. What happens now and then, and how else can people contribute with you know donations and sharing the show, of course? How else can they get involved? What would you like to see? Well, what, what happens now is the the period of what's called discovery. So discovery is, is started uh, October 30th, and it will end September 30th of 24. So we have 11 months of discovery. Uh, this next week, our legal team will be sending out what's called interrogatories. And those are uh, written questions to all the defendants, along with the detailed records request. You know, we have a lot of records, but, you know, the hospital didn't give us everything. So we have a detailed records request that'll all go out this week. And then um, we'll be starting depositions probably in March is the best guess. We have to disclose experts in February. Uh, so there's a number of target dates that are laid out in the order that the judge put together that, you know, they're all benchmarked so that we uh, are ready for the trial. The next significant thing on the judge's calendar is he set on October 1st and 2nd, so this is a month before the trial, he set a pretrial conference for, for two full days. And so that's really abnormal, but it isn't in a case this big. So the you know, so day one is to lay out the groundwork for the trial itself. Yeah. But day two, he's expecting because of the significance of this case that there's going to be summary judgments where the defense makes one last uh, Hail Mary attempt to dismiss the case. So, right. you know, it, this is not the time we're definitely not sleeping. I mean, this is is yeah. big time preparation right now. And so yeah. then you know, where can people help? You know, you, the second website that was linked to the press release is graceshara.com. And we're asking for people to put in, when you go to that website, a, a pop-up screen will come up to put in your name and email address. That's what we're asking for because we're expecting uh, some calls to action that yeah so perfect yeah if people want to donate there's a link to donate yeah you see it right there to the our gifts and go and so of course you're welcome to do that as you know as the calls to action happen though we need to have your name and email address so we can contact people directly uh you know because if we have for example brad you know and we know already what's the cost of this case and so far we're able to fund that with our own money, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fair sum, but we don't know where this is all going. And we don't know if I'm going to get sued for defamation and everything else that can come along with this. Cause I've got a target on my back. And so we, we really want to be able to create calls to action. And that's why we're asking people to sign up. Awesome. Yeah. So there it is. Graceshara.com. And then the other website, ouramazinggrace.net. I just want to bring this up, Scott, because we did reference this in the early part of the show here in the broadcast. You had put together by researching the Holocaust and created a spreadsheet account of how things went from World War II to the convent pandemic era, which we are still living in four years later here with people with cognitive dissonance. So everybody can also re uh, research this, which has already been put together by Scott. World War II versus today to bring anybody else into the fold as part of this battle and this fight. And then once again, I've got it outlined as go down genocide 1944. That's where 
Raphael Lemkin coins the word genocide, and then we had the genocide of elderly and special needs people, you know, occurs worldwide during the lockdown and pandemic, right? We've already covered that on this show. And finally, getting to the point in time where you have complicity, euthanasia, rationed care, and places of death for Nazi Germany, T4 killing chambers via gas, obviously execution squads too. And now many of the hospitals killing chambers via remdesivir, Valkyrie, right? And ventilators. We've also seen all across Canada, the US and the UK and Australia reported midazolam injected into the elderly. Um, once again, apparently no informed consent there. And end of life meds and doctor initiated DNR orders become a standard of care in the UK, state sanctioned, USA is next. Legal DNR orders have been issued in the US for many years. And Scott has all the reference links to this. And we were having a quick chat pre-show where he had put together roughly two and a half thousand hours of work on a podcast where he shares more information. So to be straight and to the point, go and sign up at grayshara.com. Then you're going to stay informed if it's all you've got is, you know, five minutes as we conclude the show here for tonight on Sunday and donate, even if it's five dollars, please donate as you can hear it puts it out there and share it because now we have global precedent, which other we know there are millions upon millions of families suffering from the murder of their loved ones of friends in hospital systems which we had believed growing up many of which were to be for us our care and many of them in those white coats were to be taking the hippocratic oath and doing no harm and more of the opposite is true the majority which we've seen is killing grounds not all but certainly right now you have the second largest in the usa of a population of roughly 350 to 380 million, depending on the census and the true results there. So folks, this is um, going to continue unless we stand up and we say something and do something and your voice is heard by getting involved, making a donation, by sharing the show, by putting the comments down here, letting people see you light it up and checking out all of the links. And then also subscribe to Scott's podcast too, as he puts it out there on God's behalf. And Scott, what are the final words you would like to leave with people or would you like, and then close us off with a prayer on this uh, Sunday night? So I would, I would leave um, just referencing the website. I want to just do two quick plugs uh, relative to the Holocaust comparison. I did about 30 interviews with Vera Sherev, a Holocaust survivor. She's become a friend of mine. And she was in our documentary, which is on the main website, ouramazinggrace.net. On the right-hand side, you'll see a link to Breaking the Oath. So we did that documentary on Grace's story. And then Vera's in the documentary. She ties the story to a much bigger um, uh, arena. And so you'll see, go to the homepage there, Brad. And then that'll be my second point. So you see on the right-hand side, Breaking the Oath. So that goes, that's free. It's on Rumble. And that helps, um, especially for people who are not awake. If you're trying to help one of your friends wake up, this is an hour and uh, 40 minute film that really helps 
uh, people wake up. So I'd encourage you to watch the film. It's it's extremely well done. And then go back to the homepage. And Brad mentioned the 2,500 hours of research that I have put together. And that is under the tab, Medical Murders, the Number One Cause of Death. So I have um, proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that medical murder is the number one cause of death. And it is by design. And that's what that series is about. I took a lot of uh, time to organize all 2,500 hours of research, and I organized it into who, what, where, why, when, and how. That's the first six segments. So you see it's a monocast seven-part series. And then number seven is now what? And that really leads to my final point, uh, because now what? is the most important thing you could do. We are uh, in this because of Genesis 50:20, which says what you meant for evil, God meant for good, the saving of many lives, which is what is happening now. So what does that look like? What does the saving of many lives look like? Well, physically, it looks like being awake. And so what does awake look like? We are um, nothing more than our beliefs. So if you believe a hospital is a safe zone, you will never be prepared. If you believe a hospital is a killing field, you will be prepared because you would start doing things to be prepared. And we have a tab on Grace's website, assuming you changed your belief, that talks about hospital rescues uh, and then has all the documents you need to be prepared. So that's assuming that you're awake to hospitals are not safe zones and of course spiritually is the most important thing you could be awake to and we have been given a platform god has given us a wonderful platform to share the truth i mentioned earlier in the show about the esoteric agenda that's what god put on my heart when i started sharing grace's story is don't share the story without fitting it into where evil fits into satan's master plan of both systems the antichrist system and the false prophet system when satan resurrects himself as an angel of light so i shared that earlier and you know the most important thing that we could ever know is our way to the father is jesus plus nothing christ died i mean you just process god sent his son to die for us and he uh, he walked this earth and he he died, was buried and rose again on the third day so that whoever believes, believes in him has eternal life. He's reconciled with the Father and you know that is the most important thing I could share. So in closing with prayer, Brad, um, Heavenly Father, I, I can hardly believe that you keep opening these doors, including this time this morning with Brad and the uh, the willingness of Brad's heart to just let me ramble and share what was on my heart live. And thank you for this time today. Thank you for giving us another day on this earth to help people wake up and know you, Lord. In your precious son's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for bringing this amazing family into our world for this time, for this final stand, this final word of light versus dark, where light's gonna win. And at any time you wanna ramble, I'm here for you. You got myself, you got the show. As I mentioned to you, there's quite a few people will be receiving this, but hopefully then have you on the show very soon, Stop with this update too. 
It's all up to you now, folks. We've got the information out there. Let's get kinetic in a peaceful way. All the instructions have just been provided. Thank you all for watching. Scott, we have an amazing audience, so I feel like this is uh, going to do very well and be widely accepted. We keep moving consciousness forward about this with truth, light, that's heart-centered, which erases that darkness. They have nowhere to hide after this. Thank you for what you guys do, and thank you for your legal team as well pressing forward on Scott and Grace's behalf. God bless everyone.